0: On the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at
1: Radio City. Here's Matt Pauley. A good Thursday evening to you. Welcome in. It is Brewers Weekly. First time we've been doing this for a while. The last Thursday night that the Brewers did not play a game was uh, all the way back on July 30th. So here we are, all this time later. About a month later, we're doing a game. We're doing a show here on WTMJ. Great to have you with us. If you want to join us over the course of the next hour or so, you can do so. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855 616 1620 That's 855-616-1620, where you can call or you can text. You can also tweet at me if you'd like at Matt Polly on Air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Here's what we got coming up on the program. We'll give you the news of the day here in just a moment. Andrew Wagner is going to join us in about five minutes. We are also going to kind of look at what's going to happen at first base moving forward. There's some news today. If you have not heard, we'll get that to you here in just a moment. And what's it going to take for this Brewers team to make it into the postseason? They're right there. They're in contention. They're right outside of a playoff position, but absolutely They are still very much uh, alive for a playoff spot, and if their September looks anything close to what September's of the last two years have looked like, then they will be a playoff team, but we'll get into that more in just a few moments. The news of the day, the Brewers making some moves. They have claimed off waivers from Toronto. First baseman Daniel Vogelbach, the Brewers, will be his third team this year. Started with Seattle, then uh, got just a... Just a moment with Toronto, and now he becomes a member of the Brewers. Brandon Woodruff being reinstated from the paternity list. Phil Bickford being optioned back to the alternate training site. And I think surprising news and the biggest news in all of this is first baseman Justin Smoke has been designated for assignment. He is the second veteran player that the Brewers brought in during the offseason that they move on from after they had moved on from uh, Brock Holt here recently. And with that, let's get into this week's edition of Going Deep.
0: Whether the Brewers are winning or losing, a player is on a hot streak or slumping. There is always a reason why. Here's this week's in-depth look at the current state of the Brewers
1: as we go deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and go! We knew that the season was going to be different when they played 60 games instead of 162 games. How that actually impacts moves that are being made during the course of the year, I think we're starting to see that. Brock Holt was recently let go. This is a guy with a pretty good Major League track record. He's going to continue to be a good Major League player. We don't know what his numbers are going to look like the rest of this year as he already has a new home. But it just wasn't working for him this year, and they move on. When they moved on from him, David Stearns admitted that that's probably not a move that they make that early in a 162-game season. When it comes to Justin Smoke, the decision to designate him for assignment again, it is a it's a moment where you're looking at what he's doing and trying to figure out: okay, is is he going to break out of this? Is he going to be the guy that they thought he was going to be at any point between now and the end of the season? And nobody can tell the future. There's no way to know. Justin Smoke could have flipped some sort of proverbial switch after the off day today and just had a great final month of the season. But the Brewers did not believe that that was going to to happen. David Stearns telling Tom Hodricord of the Journal Sentinel, quote, determining the likelihood of a player snapping out of a slump is always a tough judgment call. In this case, with volume of playing time Justin had to try to get going and where we're at in the season, we felt like it was the right time. He basically said when they let Brock Holt go that if it was a 162-game season, they probably would have given him more leash. I did not see that kind of comment from David Stearns today. Don't know if it's true or not. I feel like Smoke probably would have gotten at least a little bit more time in a 162-game season, but you don't have that time. And the Brewers are still playing to try to get into the postseason, and we know if you get into the postseason at that point, absolutely anything can happen. It's a weird year. A month in, just past the halfway point of the season, the Brewers have made the decision that a couple of the choices they made in the offseason just did not work out. Brock Holt was expected to contribute. He didn't. Justin Smoke was expected to contribute. He had a little bit of a a bounce back a couple weeks ago. But here recently, he has really struggled, and they make the decision to go ahead and move on from him. What's first base going to look like? I think it's going to be a lot of Jed Jerko, but we're going to discuss that a bit more coming up later on in the program. If you want to join us, 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620. That is the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can also tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Andrew Wagner, he is going to join us next. We'll get uh, his thoughts on the moves that the Brewers made today, specifically moving on from Justin Smoke. That's up next. This is Brewers Weekly. Back with more Brewers Weekly after this. Brewers making a bunch of moves today, most notably Justin Smoke designated for assignment. They claim off waivers. Daniel Vogelbach from uh, Toronto. He had also been with Seattle this year. To talk about that and more, let's bring in a guy who uh, covers the Brewers for uh, the Wisconsin State Journal, also uh, contributes to uh, Forbes Sports as we do head to the first Midwest Bank hotline. And we welcome in Andrew Wagner. Follow him on Twitter at Wagner. Hey, Andrew, how are you? Um, who who picked Real Big Fish as my play in music? That'd be my guy Greg Hill back at the station. So uh he's uh he's handling things I for just,
2: you. Uh, Greg
1: just ordered points with me. That was like uh
2: yeah. that was the college uh the uh sports radio, T V and newspaper uh sports department theme song back at EW Oshkosh. So kudos. So
1: Thank you. like is it just kudos? Like if you guys ever ended up at the at a bar together, do you buy him a beer? Do you buy him dinner? Like at what level of uh of of goodness from Andrew Wagner did Greg just get?
2: Well, that's yeah, about as good as I get towards human beings, so
1: I think I think my kudos, you know, still no Okay, I just <laughs> I just want to know where we're at. Just wanna know where we're at. Um, were you surprised at the Brewers moving on from Justin Smoke? I don't know if
2: I was more surprised that they moved on from Justin Smoke or by who they picked up in his place. Um, This year, uh, I I don't know, you know, what the right way to to address it is because, you know, if this was a normal season and, and, you know, Christian Yelish kind of pointed this out yesterday, this is a normal season. We'd be in the first week of May right now. So, Okay. All things considered, releasing a guy who isn't performing, um, you know, a couple of weeks into a season, not that, that strange. But because this is this year, because this is season nine of Dallas, um, it is a little head-scratching because, well, if, if why get rid of them now? You know, like, what else are you going to do if they would have gone out and got someone that they could plug in there right now and make a difference? I think it makes a lot more sense. So – I'm not David Stearns. I don't get paid his money to make his decisions. I don't know what the thought process was. Obviously, Justin Smoke was not performing uh, anywhere near to how they had hoped he'd perform. Um, but it's it's a curious move. It's a curious move.
1: So Smoke designated for assignment they'd previously moved on from a Brock Holt. Do you look at those veteran signings which have not worked out? as bad signings, or do you look at them as things that just didn't work in a really weird 60-game season?
2: I would look at it as the latter. Um, it's easy to say, oh, you know, this is a terrible move, a terrible signing. And sure, I, I can I can see that point. But to me, a bad signing is one that doesn't just hurt you this year, but hurts you for years and years down the road. I and mean, to this day, there are still people complaining about the Jeff Supan deal. Um, <laughs> That is a bad deal in the big picture sense. This is a deal that didn't work, but you're not on the hook next season. I mean, you're going to pay the rest of the four million or whatever the pro-rated thing that he's owed this year. There's a million dollar buyout. I, I'm not sure how that buyout works if he gets picked up. I gotta you know refresh on that. But you know this, it's a deal that didn't work. Um, it, it kind of gets magnified because there is such a short season in, in such you know. Uh, high stakes on the line, but this isn't going to tie the franchise up for years to come. And I think that's the important thing to look at. In retrospect, all these moves that David Stearns made—they were not popular deals. I mean, I don't think anybody was singing the praises of David Stearns after you know picking up Slope and Healy and um, you know Brock Holt and Sogard and all these guys. I, I, I look at it as okay—if they don't work, they don't work. They're all one-year deals with options. You're not. You're not going to get burned in the long term. So it's important to take them into perspective.
1: I've said this a million times. People listening probably are like, "Oh, he's going to say this again." But I'll get your take on it. I think that part of the reason some of these deals were made for these veterans who were were gambles and gambles who have not paid off. I feel like more than anything else, the Brewers are trying to stay financially flexible knowing that they wanted to get a deal done with Christian Yelich, and that was kind of the cloud that was hanging over the offseason because they wanted to get that deal done, and now they've got that deal done, and they know that Yelich money and what it's going to stand for, and, and moving forward, maybe things will look a little bit different. So if we can, if we go back and revisit the offseason, would you agree or disagree with me that maybe some of these moves were made or other moves were were not made. You know, is not coming back. Grandall not coming back. Not matching those really big contracts they got from the Reds and the White Sox with the idea of staying as flexible as possible to try to get a Yelich deal done, which did get done.
2: Yes, to to a limited extent. Obviously, that was their top priority. Did it hinder them from making other deals? I don't think so. I mean, Matt, let, let's be real. You look at the offseason, who were the top free agents that were out there last year? Strasburg, Rendon, uh, you know, who else Who else is on that list? Cole. You knew the – I'm sorry, who? Cole, Gary oh, Cole. Cole. Yes, of course, Cole. Yeah. I didn't even count him because, I mean, there's, <laughs> I have a better chance of, of, of Brian Schaus coming back to, you know, adopt me as his son than the Brewers would have had of getting here.
1: You look Which at would be your ultimate you,
2: dream. Absolutely. You, you look at who the top flight free agents were. The the absolute impact gonna change your franchise free agents. You knew those guys weren't coming to Milwaukee. You knew it wasn't gonna happen. Cole wasn't signing here, Rendon isn't signing here, Strasburg isn't signing here. Okay, fine. Um, then you look at who's left. And, and obviously Grandal and Mustakis, you know, are your own guys. You would love to have them back. But as much as you look at the Brewers right now and say, "Wow, we'd love to have you know Mustak's bat, we'd love to have Grandal's bat in the lineup, it would help us so much," okay, great, that's great this year. What about next year, the year after, or the year after? You know, that's when I think it starts to come into play. They would, I think, David would love to have those guys back, but not on you know three, four, five year deals. I think they were looking more short term because, again, the key word that you brought up here—it's not so much Yellich, but it is flexibility. Markets like Milwaukee cannot afford to make long-term bad investments. You just you just can't do it. You can you can pay you can overpay for a guy for a year or two and be fine as long as he's productive. But when you're overpaying over three, four, five, six years, that's when things start to take a turn.
1: Andrew Wagner from the Wisconsin State Journal and Forbes Sports Contributor, continuing to join us here on Brewers Weekly. Andrew, it it so it just it feels like and i think this is a very true statement if the brewers september looks anything even close to the september that they had in either the last 2 years they're a playoff team but that would be a major step forward because so far they have not played anywhere like that and playing september in a 60 game schedule is different than playing september in a 162 game schedule because it's a different path to get to that point do, what Do you have conf, What are you expecting out of this September as as the Brewers try to go on a nice little run here in the final few weeks of the season and try to advance to the playoffs?
2: I'll tell you this much, Matt. If the last six weeks, heck, the last six months have taught me anything, it, it's don't expect anything because anything you expect is just going to get flush right down the toilet. I don't know what to expect. I look at it this way. You know, in the Brewers, I believe they're a, a half game out of a wild card spot right now. Um, they're 17-19. and 19. They are four and a half out of first place, half game out of a wild card spot. All you got to do is get in. Now, I can see how people might say, well, you know, I don't think Eric Sogard's going to heat up and bat a thousand over the rest of the way, or I don't think Avi Garcia or Ben Gamel." That's fine, and I-, I can concede that. But you're looking at a team that still has Christian Yelich on it. And granted, he has not played anywhere near uh, to what you've expected out of Christian Yelich, but he's still on that team. All he needs is one hot week. One hot week. And this is an entirely different situation. We've seen what happens when Brian Braun is at full strength and gets into a hot week. I mean, they could very easily tank out the rest of the way. That's not out of the realm of possibility. But if you look at the guys who are there and the guys you know that you can count on, not the guys you're hoping work out, but the guys you know you can count on, you have to like their chances with this expanded playoff field.
1: So it's... Yes, they're a half game out of a playoff spot when it comes to the wild card, and there's a a million teams that are right there bunched up together. They're also one game back at the Cardinals, and the top two teams in every division makes it to the postseason this year, and then it's the next two teams beyond that that will get the wild cards. The Cardinals are off today. They don't get another off day this year, and they're about to go play 30 games in 23 days, which is just an obscene number of games. I look at that and I say, yeah, okay, maybe they can grab one of those final two wild card spots, but I think the Cardinals could really get beat up over 30 games in 23 days. It's going to be tough for pitching to hold up for them during that period.
2: And you look at it, in that stretch they come to Milwaukee for 5 games in 3 days, you know? So and, and they'll already have been stacked up innings-wise uh, coming into that series. You know, and the Brewers will have obviously the same the same challenge ahead of them. but They will be well rested. They've got three off days, well two after today, in the next week, and then they come home and they play the Cubs, and then they have that huge series against the Cardinals. So that that week right there could change the entire outcome of the season. You know, something that Christian Yelich said yesterday. You know, it, it, and it's hard to do, obviously, because this is baseball. You know, you the first thing you look at are people's stat lines. You can't look at the stat lines this season. You just can't do it. Like. You know, Christian Yelich, I think it's batting 203, 205, something like that. You know, Not what you would expect. The numbers are going to look funny this year. No matter who it is or what it is, the numbers are going to look funny. So you've you got to look at things on a more com- compartmentalized basis. You know, Look at what guys are doing over the last couple of days. Christian Yelich has been very good the last couple of days. He's looked like Christian Yelich the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. And four walks yesterday, that's what you expect out of Christian Yelich. Now, Yelich can get four walks. The other guys have to do their part, which they did, making sure those runs come in. So this is a huge stretch, you know. All, and again, not to carry water for this, but all it takes is a couple of guys to have a hot streak. Doesn't have to be a month long; just has to be a couple of games, and, and suddenly you're in the race. And we see what happens when a team gets hot and goes into the postseason red hot. You know, they they do some damage. Look at the Brewers two years ago. You know, look at look at look at. Uh, Washington last year. I mean, they were written off as dead, you know, almost midway through the season and what they pulled off. So it's all about momentum and getting hot at the right time.
1: He is Andrew Wagner. You can read him in the Wisconsin State Journal. Also contributes to uh, Forbes Sports. Andrew, always good to uh, to talk to you. I feel like we've talked more in the last uh, 12 minutes than we have all year long at the ballpark because we're social distancing. So it was good to talk to you.
2: Anytime, Matt. We'll have to have you by the fire sometime.
1: That sounds like a plan. Appreciate it. Take care. All right, Andrew Wagner joining us here on uh, on Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. So what does first base look like for this team going forward? I don't think Daniel Vogelbach is going to be a big part of first base based off what uh, David Stern said earlier today to Tom Hodricourt. Uh, we'll get into that coming up in just a moment. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ.
0: Back with more Brewers Weekly after this. This is Brewers Weekly
1: on WTMJ. There seems to be uh, still a fair amount of confusion from people on how the playoff system is going to work this year in Major League Baseball. People hear expanded playoff, but I'm not sure if the exact, like, The rules of how you get into the postseason are clear to everybody. Eight teams from each league, so 16 total teams are going to get into the postseason. I think especially in the National League, there is going to be at least one below 500 team that gets into the postseason just the way things are working. Uh, It is not just the teams with the eight best records. The way they're going to sort it all out is... The top two teams from each division will get in, and then the next two teams with best records will get in as wild cards. So, for example, if the season were to end right now, and I know we still got a month left, if the season were to end right now, the Dodgers and the Padres would be the two teams from the National League West. The Braves and the Phillies would be the two teams from the National League East. The Cubs and the Cardinals would be the two teams from the National League Central. And then the Marlins and the Rockies, interestingly enough, two teams that came in together when expansion happened all those years ago, they would be the two wild cards. So the Colorado Rockies have a record of 18-19. and 19. The Brewers have a record of 17-19. and 19. So right now, the Brewers are a half game back of the Rockies, a half game out of a playoff spot. The Brewers also sit just one game back of the Cardinals. And if the Brewers can get past the Cardinals and move into the second place spot in the division, it doesn't matter what their record is. If the Cubs just run away with it and then the four other teams in the division uh, are all below 500, and there's a ton of other teams that have better records uh, than, than the Brewers and the other NL Central teams in the National League, it won't matter for that second place team. That second place team is going to automatically get in. And I just... I think that the Cardinals are going to have a really hard time playing 30 games in 23 days. That's not that's going to be tough to deal with. They're going to go through a lot of pitching. There's going to be a lot of up and down on that roster. And I know when they play those doubleheaders, they're able to expand the roster by a guy. But 30 games in 23 days is an obscene amount of games. And that I just don't see a scenario where... That doesn't wear the team out. Now, that being said, when it comes to me being right and me being wrong about things, going into the season, I thought the NL Central was stacked and I thought the AL Central wasn't very good. And I couldn't be more wrong on that. The NL Central, the Cubs are the only team above 500 right now at 22 and 15. The Cardinals are at 500 and the Brewers, the Reds, and the Pirates are below 500. And then you look at the AL Central. And you've got you've got a bunch of good teams. The Indians are good. The White Sox are good. The Twins are good. The Tigers aren't bad. The only team that really has struggled this year is the Kansas City Royals. And at one point, the Royals had uh, one of the longest winning streaks in Major League Baseball, but they've fallen off at 14 and 23. So the AL Central is really good this year. And the fact that you're only playing teams – between your division and the corresponding division in the other league, right now these AL Central teams are quite honestly just sort of beating up on on the uh, on the NL Central teams, and that's the way it is. When you look at the interleague record of the NL Central teams, uh, the Cardinals are five and six, the Brewers are five and seven, the Reds are six and eight, the Pirates are one and eleven. Even the Cubs are only two games above 500 at 7-5. and five. So uh, the AL Central has done a pretty good job against the NL Central so far. Back into the Brewers. What's going to happen at first base now that Justin Smoke is not going to be with the team? They bring in Daniel Vogelbach, but is he the answer? I don't think so. We'll get into it next. It's Brewers Weekly.
0: Catch more Brewers Weekly coming up on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly with Matt Foley on WTMJ.
1: We don't really know who's going to play first base for the Brewers moving forward. I think we got an indication based off the comments made by David Stearns to uh, Tom Hodricourt of the Journal Sentinel earlier today. Uh, but we don't know for sure. Now, when the Brewers designate for assignment Justin Smoke and at the same time bring in another first baseman in Daniel Vogelbach, I think it's there's a logical thing there that says, okay, Smoke out, Vogelbach in, he's going to be the guy over at first base. I don't think it's going to work out that way because just based off the comments that Stearns made earlier today, it really sounds like Jed Jerko is going to be the guy who's going to be given the first opportunity to play first base a lot. Not that he's going to be the everyday guy, but he might be the closest thing that the Brewers have to it. And Jerko has mainly faced left-handers this year. There's been... there's a good chance that you listening to this right now might be kind of throwing your hands up in the air and going, finally, because I can tell you, just seeing what I see on social media, there have been a lot of people that have been calling for Jerko to play more often. In fact, it kind of goes back to a bigger question, and and we've discussed this before on Brewers Extra Innings. When you've got historical data, and then you've got like right-now data, a, how do you how do you juggle those two things against each other, and that's why Jerko has played so much against left-handed starters because from you look at what he's done over the course of his career, and he he has done he's been very successful against lefties, not as successful against righties. Now this year that hasn't held up. He hasn't been given as many opportunities against right-handers, but he's had okay success against right-handers this year and he's he's been okay against uh against lefties as well and that's that's kind of where where it's been at for for this year. Now he's going to be given an opportunity to face righties and lefties that's going to be his job I would think again I'm just I'm kind of reading between the lines and seeing what David Stern said earlier today it really feels like Jed Jerko is going to be given that first opportunity to be the guy who plays first base a lot and it's a really challenging thing especially in a 60 game season because it's it's trying to make your team its best self before the season is over while also trying to win as many games as possible. We've talked about it over and over, just the value of a win this year. The wins mean so much. And this last homestand, where some of the wins weren't pretty. the Scratching and clawing and coming from behind and just finding ways to win, it's not about winning pretty, it's just about getting the W next to your name at the end of the night. And... The Brewers go six and four on this homestand that just wrapped up. You probably would have liked seven and three. You, you probably lament not taking three out of four against the Reds after taking the first two of that series. But overall, six and four, you'll take it. You're still right there in the mix in terms of a in terms of a playoff spot. So Jerko is at this point, you kind of throw out the splits, historical splits, and you just you see what he's going to do this year. And uh, the last time Craig Council was asked about this, it's probably been a week and a half, two weeks, but he basically said that he wasn't quite ready yet to just start ignoring, and maybe ignoring is the wrong word, but you'll get where I'm going with this, uh, not ready to just start ignoring the, the historical data that these these guys have, the, the numbers that they have put up over the course of their career. Vogelbach has really struggled this season, the Brewers are going to be his third team, and he just he just hasn't gotten going. Now he was a he was a really highly thought of prospect coming up, and he still absolutely has some things. He's got great power. I mean, just good raw power is something that that he has. Uh, but he hasn't been able to put it together really since about the midway point of of last season. As a young guy, there's a lot of uh, club control that goes along with him. I don't, I don't think the expectations for Vogelbach are pretty high right now for this year. To me, this is a move potentially for the future. This is a move where maybe the Brewers can get some of their guys, kind of get their hands on him, Maybe in the off season, going into spring training, try to analyze that swing, whatever it might be, see if they can get him to realize his potential. But it's going to be Jed Jerko a lot at first base. If Ryan Braun can get healthy, if Braun can get back into the lineup, maybe you play him a little bit at first base, but He's, we've all known about the, the lower back and just the, the issues that he's had over the last number of years about being able to stay healthy, and I think most people have accepted that that's kind of who he is now. Over the course of a 162-game season, he's probably going to have two or three stints on the injured list. But this year, it just, he he's barely gotten his season started, really. He just, he has not played... That much. I mean, he's he's played in he's played in 19 games. He's got 66 at bats. It just, but it's a lot of starting and stopping. Start and stop. Start and stop. All of a sudden, he's out of the lineup because of, of of the back, and that's just the way things have gone this year. And if he if they can get him to a point, if they can get his body to a point where he can play a lot, you can use him over at first base as well. But as fragile as he is, and it, it just feels like he is even more fragile this year than he's been in previous seasons, as fragile as he is right now, the idea of having him DH most the time when he's in the lineup probably makes a lot of sense because he keeps him off his feet and it might be able to get his bat into the lineup uh, a little bit more often down the stretch of this season. Brewers are getting set for a road trip. They're going to match up against Cleveland and Detroit. They've got a couple off days this week. We're going to look ahead to uh, this uh, upcoming, really not just this uh, upcoming road trip, but this final month of the season. What do they need to do to be a playoff club? And how legitimate is the possibility of them being a playoff club when you consider the fact that they still haven't really found a groove this year? We'll discuss that next. This is Brewers Weekly.
0: Brewers Weekly on WTMJ.
1: In the last two Septembers combined, the Brewers are 39-14. and We know about the runs that they've gone on to get into the postseason. Two years ago, they went on the fantastic run to not just get into the postseason, but finish with the best record in the National League after the game 163 against the Cubs. Last year, they were able to do enough to get into the postseason. When September got started last year, there wasn't a lot of momentum, seemingly for for the club, and then there was, and they got into the postseason, and it's still that's still what could have been for me when you consider the fact that. Uh, who went on to win the World Series in the Washington Nationals and the fact that the Brewers were so close to knocking them out uh, there in the wild card game. I'm not saying the Brewers would have won the World Series last year had they won that game. I don't think that's the case. You look at what the pitching, uh, the pitching that the Nationals had and the Brewers quite simply didn't have that pitching and that's what uh, really propelled them through the postseason. But all that being said, they went on that September run. Do they have a September run in them this year? I don't know. Should I just end the segment there? I don't know. Back with more in a moment. It's Brewers. I I don't know. And it's so different. If it's a 162-game season, well... At the very least, there's there's a track record there. Now, things were going to be different anyways. We know about Craig Council's ability to utilize September call-ups, and this year, the September call-ups were not going to be what they had been in the past. What was it? It's supposed to be like 29, which is what the roster is essentially at anyways. Uh, and, you know, they were going to be at 26 during the season, so it was only going to be, uh, or was it 28 in the September? It doesn't matter. I mean, you're adding two, three guys uh, in, in September had it been a one 162-game season this year, so it was it was going to be different anyways, and that, that was going to be one of the big narratives. I can guarantee you, I promise you, if we were doing this show right now on Thursday, September 3rd, and we were into the final month of a 162-game season, the discussion, the narrative, the talking point of this very show that we would be doing in an alternate universe where we never had the coronavirus pandemic – what we'd be talking about tonight is, can the Brewers go on a September run when they don't have the full expanded roster like they have in previous years? Now, we don't, we don't have that talking point because everything is just different this year. I guess we could get into that because from a technical standpoint, no, they're not going to be playing with 40 players. But I think the more, the more important question to ask is, do the Brewers go on September runs because they're just really good in the final month of the season? Or do the Brewers go on September runs because they build their roster for a 162-game season where things are really chugging along by the time they get into the final month of the season and they're able to utilize things like the expanded roster? I don't know the answer to that question. The hope is that it's it's the first answer, right? That they're, just, they're, they're good, that this group led by Craig Council for whatever reason is really good at, Finding a way to get as many wins as possible in the month of September, and it doesn't matter if you're playing games numbers you know 35 through 60, or if you're playing games numbers 135 to, to 162. That that just doesn't matter. But the other side of it is, if if this looks more like May than it looks like September, because they're into the second month of the season, then maybe they don't have that run in them. I'll say this, and it's another area that I was wrong. Before the season got started, I looked at this Brewers roster and I said, you know what, this, this roster is built for us, for the, the rules this year and the 60-game season and everything. Of all the rosters out there, this roster, I think, can, uh, can do a nice job. And a lot of that had to do with the DH and Ryan Braun and all that sort of stuff. Because it wasn't just the, the length of the season, it was the rules and everything that was going along with it. I got that wrong. This was not a roster that was built for a 60-game season. This was a roster that was built for 162 games. 162 games gives you more runway. You're not forced to make the decision like they made with Brock Holt. You're not forced to make the decision like they made with Justin Smoke. You can let that play out a little bit. You can watch the market. You can see who comes available. It, with all due respect to, uh, to to who they acquired today in Daniel Vogelbach, in all likelihood, he's not going to be a difference maker for this team. And in a 162-game season, there's more of an opportunity to maybe go out there and get a difference maker. I am going to be fascinated by what this September happens to uh, end up looking like. If you want to join us, 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620, the Net Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can tweet at me, at Matt Pawley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. We'll come back. We'll look ahead to the upcoming road trip, including the series against Cleveland that's going to begin tomorrow. What does the uh, pitching matchup look like for uh, the course of the whole uh, series? We'll tell you next. This is Brewers Weekly.
0: W277CV and WTMJ Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ. It's
1: Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Just a few minutes left in the program, Brewers. Just barely on the outside looking in on that playoff picture. Half of a game out of a playoff spot. They're just one game out of uh, locking into one of the playoff positions for the division from being a top two finisher. And now they get into the final month of the season. And again, it's. Uh, I used the word fascinating before. I will continue to use that word. It is going to be fascinating to see how this September plays out for this team and uh, whether or not they can get going I- – Christian Yelich said yesterday, and when we had Andrew Wagner on the program earlier today, he alluded to this, and I, I really appreciated it from Yelich because it was true. This isn't a year to look at individual numbers. You know what? Christian Yelich's numbers are not going to look Yelich-like. He's been swinging it fine recently. He's he's put it all together, but the slow start that he had, you're just not going to recover from that. He's hitting two oh five right now. Christian Yelich is hitting two oh five. Even if he raises his average another 50 points in, in three and a half weeks of baseball, which is tough to do, even with the small amount of games that have been played. He, that, what, 255, two, like, absolute best-case scenario, he's a 255, 260 hitter probably this year, even if he goes on an incredible run. The numbers don't matter. There's going to be weird anomalies in a 60-game season. But the question is, what can these guys do? Can avisayo Garcia do a little bit more? Can Omar Narvaez do a little bit more? Can Eric Sogard do a little bit more? Any player that you want to mention that has not played to the level that you were expecting them to play, can they get close to that level in the final month of the season and help this team go on a run? They'll play three games against Cleveland in Cleveland starting tomorrow. The Brewers, over the course of the three games, will send Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Brett Anderson to the mound I like that that trio of pitchers. Uh, Burns 1-0, 2.7 ERA. Woodruff 2-3, 3.67. He'll be coming off the paternity list. Technically, he already has come off that list. And then Brett Anderson, 2-2, 4.18 ERA. A reminder for you, if you tune in here to WTMJ and you hear the Bucks playing, and you know the Brewers are playing too, you can hear the Brewers games on our sister station, 94.5 ESPN. And uh, that's where, uh, and we have our Brewers Extra Innings show after the game. Again, 94.5 on your FM dial. That's where the Brewers are at on nights that the Bucs play. So like tomorrow we will have Brewers uh, baseball starting at 535, 610 first pitch and I will talk to you tomorrow after the game for uh, Brewers extra innings after the first game of the series against the Indians. We will talk to you then.